0: Attention investors, this is the episode for you. We sit down with Steve Ennis with CMLS Financial to talk about multifamily lending. Hope you enjoy. You're listening to the Saskatchewan Real Estate Podcast, where we chat with real estate experts from across the province to learn what's happening in the real estate market. Here's your host, Ron Corone. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Really glad to have you here today. Yeah,
1: great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: So, Steve, we're going (laughs) to dive into all things multifamily in Saskatchewan. Before we do that, I'd really love just to get a background on you and how you kind of came to be dealing in multifamily (laughs) units.
1: Yeah, sounds good. Well, I'm from uh, Vancouver. I live in North Vancouver with my wife. Born and raised here. I uh, went to Simon Fraser University, got a degree in economics, kind of came out, had no clue what I was going to do with my life, (laughs) attending... attending um, career fairs. I actually got a job with HSBC. I was in this uh, kind of this, they call it a fast forward program. They kind of take people that don't know anything about lending, which was I fit that profile and, uh, and they kind of get you, uh, get you up and running within a year. Or so I, I worked with them for a few years, uh, moved over to Victoria. They moved me over there and uh, wasn't the best fit. So I joined the business development bank over there, where I was doing financing for growth companies. So it's like those companies that uh, don't quite qualify for traditional financing. So I started working for those guys, worked with them for five years. <clears throat> then I wanted to move back to the mainland, so moved back with the uh, and served with the Bank of Montreal as a commercial account manager there. So it was always on the commercial side. And then, um, then I did um, after that, I did uh, five years as an independent broker, where I was where I was doing everything. I was in commercial did some land assembly, construction, and then I got started to dabble in the residential side. So I did lots of single family stuff, you know, just regular houses, condos. It was just whatever, whatever I could do. So I did that for five, just over, just over five years before joining CMLS uh, last year, they were, came out with this new program to do the insured multifamily dwellings. And, um, and yeah, it just seemed like a good fit because I had, the commercial background had the residential background and and, and it was a new program. They're doing really well out in eastern Canada, I need somebody to look after the West. So I know cover from Winnipeg to Victoria. Great fit, great organization. You know, you know, you had Sam Somati on last week, just a great character. It's just filled with guys like that here.
0: Fantastic. So you have like a wealth of knowledge in, in the banking sector and the on the lending side, and we're going to tap into a bit of that today. So, Steve, let's start us off with what are multifamily units and why do they get separated from housing and residential?
1: Well, for starters, um, so multifamily, um, the vast majority of what we do is apartment buildings. That's the vast majority. But it also encompasses, um, think mixed-use properties where you have residential up top and then commercial down below, um, students' housing, seniors' homes, and it's called single-room occupancy, where you have uh, you'll have a floor with just rooms and shared kitchen, bathroom facilities. Hmm. So think of anything. It's really I do anything. It's CMHC insured. So again, I think of it through like uh, a Crown Corporation trying to help Canadians with their housing. So it's anything with long-term housing needs like Airbnb has become such a big thing. So I get a lot of requests on that. And you are even finding some properties with zoning geared towards Airbnb. Some lenders look at that, but but that's not something because that's more hospitality oriented. So, so multifamily is more, um, yeah, more long-term. I think they have a six months minimum as far as leases in place. Okay. And why did they do it separately? Well, it wasn't really separately for the longest time. It was uh, without insurance. It would be a straight commercial deal. Most of the, most lenders will look at multifamily up to four units. So you have a, just a small apartment building up to four units. So the San Somalis of the world could do that, no problem. Um, and five and up is where they said, okay, no, this is getting a little bit more complex. That servicing is a little more complex. It's got a different zoning. People are putting these into holding companies, which is a big deal. So it started to be pushed over to the commercial side. So it was on the commercial side for a very long time. And you have commercial rates and commercial, fee- commercial fees, which um, it was... Um, it's not quite a commercial asset, like it's it's, uh, it's a long-term housing need. So it's a much lower risk than say an industrial property office or retail. And so it it kind of fell out of favor a little bit with some borrowers because you're buying this fiveplex, which, you know, in some cases, it's just a house that's been um, uh, renovated to be an apartment building. So these people were buying this. and They didn't like the commercial rates, commercial fees. So kind of in came CMHC to provide this insurance, this default insurance. And then all of a sudden that changed the game for everything. So it's like now they're increasing the loan to value, prices are coming, uh, interest rates are coming way down. So you're kind of more into residential rates and uh, the amortization is way longer. Like commercial lending is quite a bit more conservative. Like if you're looking to become, become uh, an owner of investment property and you go into the commercial side, you want to buy a warehouse to rent it out, Office building, retail—you're getting like maybe sixty-five percent loan-to-value. Whereas, if you want to stay in the residential component, which most people seem more familiar with because they've been renting out their—they have a condo they rent out, they rent out their basement, they kind of have more comfort comfort with that. So, going down the uh, insured um, multi-unit space, and you can get some pretty high-dollar value properties there with some really good cash flow. Hmm, very so I'm kind of going off going off on a tangent there. No, no, it's all great <laughs> but, information. Uh, yeah.
0: So, Steve, yeah. there is a perception with some of this stuff that when you get into uh, four and above that only <clears throat> big corporations can be involved with these uh, types of buildings. Can you can you touch on the type of people that you're you're working with on some of these projects?
1: Yeah, I would say um, when it comes to smaller stuff, it's really just average people buying these. You know, if they could there is minimum net worth requirements we have, like if we're doing a million dollar deal, they seem uh, they want to see a net worth of around 250,000. So they do have that. But as far as experience goes, it's really kind of average run everyday people that um, for some reason, you know, because let's say they have a bit of a portfolio with housing and a lot of lenders have the maximum door limitation where they don't want to look at anything above six or eight doors. So we're kind of going down this path. They're kind of, they feel like they're kind of being forced down this path. They're stop investing in real estate or kind of go into multifamily. So... Um, so they you no know, they're really average people for the most part. Sometimes we'll get into issues with experience, like if someone doesn't have too much experience and and maybe it's a or maybe it's a distant thing. We have borrowers in Vancouver buying in Winnipeg. So what we'll do with that is ask them to get a property management company.
0: Interesting. to Kind of have so another like layer there to to maybe address some of those issues.
1: Yeah, exactly. But yeah, and some of it, uh, some of the bigger stuff cuz there's like we're down to 5 units, but we're doing we're doing like um tens of millions of dollars on the upper side. So the upper side, you have to have some means to get into that, but it's a full mixed bag. I'm right. dealing with people that are buying their their maybe their second or their third property and also people that have, have been in real estate for 20 years and bought and stole, sold multiple apartment buildings. So it's, yeah, totally a mixed bag. Cool.
0: Very cool. So mm-hmm. when we're talking about multifamily, what really makes it different on the lender side? Now, I know in <clears> residential, <throat> you're dealing with a lot of income credit and mm-hmm. a bit of the house. Can we touch on the the qualifications on multifamily?
1: Yeah, the biggest difference, and this is where you kind of touch into more into the commercial space, is when you're doing your single family deal, you're looking at where the income is coming from. And usually it's their employment, like what they do for a living. Like if it's a salaried employee, you're getting their income confirmation, their tax returns. If it's the uh, if business for sale, if you're getting kind of a two-year average income. When you kind of step over into the commercial multifamily space, you're really looking at the income generated by the property itself. That's the, that's the big difference, you know, so, so it's important that people, they have an income to pay their own, um, to pay their own debts and pay their own living expenses. But what we're really looking for in these deals is does the building debt service itself. Hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you for uh, a rent roll which shows all the income being paid by every individual owner, and then an income statement for that building, what they're paying in property taxes, utilities, um, and insurance, and um, and at the end of the day, what that service is. So that's kind of the, that's the biggest difference, really.
0: So someone comes to you, there's a distressed property, and maybe the rent roll is low, but they see the potential for this to be much more. How are you working those deals and what are the different levers that you're pulling to kind of work up a a dollar amount on on the lending side?
1: Yeah, it's tricky with CMHC because we've had to come up with band-aid solutions for just that problem because CMHC, they're really concerned with the actual rents, you know, because everybody's going to come across that where it's, you know, a lot of times it's just a landlord that kind of hasn't put in the effort to increase the rents on an annual basis. So you'll be behind market. So one thing we can do is we do have a bridge product. It's like a one-year loan. It's at seventy-five percent. We do it uh, for for just for the one year, so they can buy it, you know, fix it up, rent it at market rents, and then we can do the take-up financing financing after the fact. Hmm. That's one thing, kind of. But it's been it has been definitely been a band-aid solution because, like I said, CMHC they have the rules, and that's that. And one of those strict rules is market rents. There's a little bit of flexibility when it's a brand new property, like someone's building a, a, an apartment building. So we can use market rents for the debt servicing and the qualification and the approval, but it's gonna to have to be leased up before we close on it. So like a construction lender, they'll put the building up, they'll give the the owner six months to get a lease, called the exposure period. And that's the time where I'm working on my takeout financing. So as long as by the time we go to close, there's enough people living in the building to pay back the debt, then we're fine.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So there, there is kind of a, a period where, you know, those rents need to be going up if that's what we're qualifying and what we're using. Sure, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So we have band aid
1: solutions we're throwing in there. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: Steve, when we're talking about Saskatchewan specifically, what communities can <clears throat> you serve? We're definitely,
1: uh, we're definitely more looking at major centers. So I would say mostly Saskatoon, Regina and bedroom communities that kind of service that area. When we get out into smaller communities, smaller towns, more remote towns, it's really the investor appetite that kind of drives things up for us really. That's, that's it's all investor driven because we're a, we're what you call a mortgage origination servicing company. So we have a number of uh, investors. We probably have about 60, maybe a little more than 60 institutional investors right now. So we're lending out their funds based on their appetite. So really it's kind of major centers. So we're really looking at Saskatoon, Regina, any bedroom communities where people live out but commute into town. Or service a larger area
0: and just to clarify Steve you're meaning like uh, the the investors on your back end not on the the front end the people who are essentially you're acting as the conduit for the money that Mm -hmm. goes out to the investors on the who are buying those properties
1: yeah exactly yeah we started off in 1974 with one investor so like one pot of funds and they had an interest in lending out long term for commercial real estate, strictly in Vancouver. Like that was their appetite. So that's what we did for probably about 25 years. And over time, they kind of picked up more and more investors. You know, one investor, he they would want to you know, earn their return on industrial real estate. Another investor would want to earn their return lending out on office space. And then eventually, we got picked up so many, and we had a couple that really want to get into single family space. And I think at that time, Steamless it was a new bag. Like they knew commercial real estate really, really well, but they had investors kind of pushing, pushing on us saying, no, we want to get into that single family space. So they kind of went out and hired some, a fantastic team. Like my team, like Sam Somatic was one of those original uh, BDMs they brought on. So they kind of brought on and then went out and said, okay, go out in there and find deals. And that's, that's what happened with the uh, strategic lending group where I was brought on. It was a decision made back in 2018. It was like our investors saying, Hey, we want to put our money out and earn a return on insured multifamily deals. So yeah, so that's I, I, I know I should, should clarify because you're thinking an investor buying real estate, but we're kind of between the investor and the and the borrower. It's kind of the space we work in. Yes, yeah, so right. Good, good question. Good clarification.
0: So when we're touching on the the amount of rentals you can have on the residential side, and when we move that to the multifamily for CMLS, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it's one to four rental units, and and then there's not much space above that. What happens on the multifamily side? It, as long as I have enough money, uh, can I just continue to buy multifamily properties?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a big part of my marketing pitch because I know. It's really the expense on the single family side, it's really the expense to do the underwriting. So a lot of lenders, they say, we just don't want to put in the work it takes to do, or we don't want to pay for the work that goes into doing the, um, the debt servicing calculations for five, 10 properties. They just don't want to get into that. But in our world, that's kind of kind of irrelevant. Right. You know, it's it ha- it's actually really good in our, our, uh, our side because if they own 10 or 20 properties, then they easily hit that personal net worth requirement with CMHC. And also, they have experience, right? So those deals are even easier in our world. So I I use that as kind of a a, a marketing, uh, in my marketing spiel when I'm talking to brokers. Like if you have those borrowers that have that, it actually is a problem where they have too many single family properties and they just no one wants to touch them. Sometimes they can go into like they go into private banking. Maybe maybe that's an an avenue for them. But then you know it's a fantastic service, but then you're paying additional fees on top for that. So so I just say, hey, why not try Fiveplex? Like. You're managing that many renters as it is right now. you know And they're like oh, okay and and the good thing about the, the multifamily side is like if you own a own a house and you're renting it out, you lose a renter and maybe it's, depending on the market, it takes you know a couple months to replace that renter and you still <laughs> those mortgage payments aren't going away. so there's there's some pressure on that single family to replace that renter. whereas if you had an apartment building, let's say let's say like fifteen units in it and you lose one renter you still have 14 paying that mortgage. So it's not, not that crunch of expense. The, the percentages work
0: out a little better on that side. Yeah, for sure. Fantastic. So before I, I asked the, uh, uh, the, the last question for your contact info, Steve, let's go back to when you first started in this industry, if you could go back and give yourself a little bit of advice as you were getting into this, what would that advice be?
1: You mean lending period, like,
0: like oh, even when 50, you were first, 15 years ago, if you were, if you were looking <laughs> at a, a young Steve, you were going to school or if just as you were entering your, your mm-hmm. career, what advice would you give yourself at that point?
1: What advice would I give? God, that's, I, that's, a, that's a good question. Cause I remember early in my days going from university to being a commercial account manager, just being at times being completely overwhelmed, you know, especially in the banking world, because. I was doing I was doing everything I was doing lines of credit uh, secured by inventory and receivables. I had to be so much more so analytical. Um, I would probably just tell myself uh, not to stress out as much because you, you especially in the corporate world you tend to get overwhelmed with targets and client expectations and dealing with credit. So I'd say don't don't stress out as much as I probably did and take things one at a time and use use probably the best thing is use everything as a learning opportunity because I would say like. When I was doing, when I was in some roles where everything fell on my shoulders, like I was, I was the sales guy, I was the underwriter, I was a funder, I was dealing with lawyers and accountants and fighting it out with credit. I was doing everything. I learned so much in that that period, right? Like uh, one of the <clears throat> one of the challenges I've noticed going from that role to this role is where I have underwriters is kind of letting go hmm. of control because before I, I was I was everything from start to finish. And and it was it was stressful and uh, a lot of pressure, but my credit skills just skyrocketed after that.
0: Right, it's kind mm-hmm. of funny how that happens early on in careers. You're often doing a lot more jobs, and as you mm-hmm. go, that <clears throat> that window narrows a little bit. But it can be hard sometimes to to also let go of some of that control of those other things.
1: Yeah, yeah it was good because I got uh, you get exposure to everything in the in just in corporate banking, or regular banking, or even credit unions. I was uh, at times. They wanna be selling insurance, cash management products, uh investments, referrals. So you, you kind of get exposed to everything. So the one good thing about it is I really got to find out what I was good at and what I enjoyed. Sure. I was not an investment guy. You know, I didn't the stocks, that was not not my thing. Insurance, I was I was life insurance, critical illness, disability, that was not my thing. <laughs> not that was not my, my bag at all. So I just liked I liked the the lending side. Awesome. That was what I enjoyed. It was kind of like a a kind of a puzzle you had to solve and and after a deal closes you're high five and everybody you're changing people's lives like no
0: really good That's feeling it. oh yeah so, for sure for folks out there who are wanting more information on multifamily <clears throat> investing steve where where can we direct them to to get more information from you
1: probably oh just uh, i have all these uh pre-written emails and packages ready to go for people so send me a quick email and i've got a host of videos i can send um I've got tons of materials from CMLS through CMHC, which I, I kind of tailor a little bit depending on who's who I'm sending it to. So yeah, just send my email out there
0: and can ask you people provide don't, don't your hesitate. Email for us here, Steve?
1: Oh Steve.ns at cmls.ca. Yeah, no, I encourage people to email me. I do weekly, uh well it started off weekly Zoom calls. You can see on my social media, it's like presentations, presentations. I started off doing one a week and I I slowly filled up my calendar. So now I'm doing 10 every week. I'm up to 10 right now. So, and they're just kind of a 30, 40 minute in, uh, um, um, a lot of dialogue back and forth, info session on, on how to submit a deal, what a deal looks like, uh, how to do proper debt servicing, which is a big one for people that have just done residential because it's, it's a little bit of a, a different lens you look at it, but it's not not really complicated. You sit through one, uh, one deal, uh, maybe two deals, and you're pretty fluent on it
0: fantastic steve mm-hmm. thank you so much for sitting down with us today and sharing your knowledge i really appreciate you, you taking time out of your busy schedule to to share some of your information i got a lot out of it and i hope the folks out there are are enjoying it
1: hey thanks for having me i, I love what you do i'm just a huge fan of podcasts i'm glad i could uh, could join in
0: all right have a great day steve yeah, you too Thanks again to Steve Ennis for coming on the program this week. Really enjoyed his information. If you have any questions on multifamily lending, be sure to send me a message. If you enjoyed this episode, hit the like and subscribe button. Until next week, I'm Ron Caroni, your Saskatchewan mortgage professional. This has been the Saskatchewan Real Estate Podcast. If you like this episode, find more information and episodes on our Facebook and YouTube pages. If you'd like to be a guest or have a conversation you'd like to learn more about, let us know by messaging the show on Facebook. Thanks for listening.